listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 210, Early Richie Blackmore Sessions, Part 1. And coming to you from the suburbs of Chicago, where all the best Easter candy is stolen, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John Detox Matola. Oh, are you on a uh, post-Easter detox? Happy Easter Monday. All it's, right. Uh, it's it's time for it's time for gluttony to go away <laughs> until when you know i i always thought that thanksgiving was the most gluttonous holiday but i have proved myself wrong yesterday <laughs> yeah i kind of had a similar experience <laughs> oh i woke up i had such a headache all day and i'm just like i couldn't have had that much salt and sugar and i did <laughs> um yeah it was fantastic though did you uh did you have a good easter I did did the uh, traditional lug of lamb on the spit out back over an open mm. fire. Stole a bunch of my kids' Easter candy right before I came downstairs. So I got some Cadbury eggs, oh. some Reese's eggs, the, just the a mini few. eggs. What's up? The mini eggs? The mini ones, yeah. Oh, those are my favorite. I like the big ones, but these are just easier. They're bite sized. And then I got these little um, eggs that are M&M peanut butter M&Ms. Mm. Okay. So oh, yeah, you got to have the mini ones. You can't pop the big ones like the mini ones. Otherwise, you'll just get diabetes. Yeah, I'm <laughs> probably on that path already. Mm, given well, my family history, probably not the best way to. So, but I just got a few little pieces of candy to have while we're while we're recording. So nothing wrong with a little sweet. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, it was a good good Easter. Um, I too overindulged in food. We had ham and lamb and uh, lots of cheeses and all sorts of stuff. So, ready to mm, sounds good. Ready to get into it and talk about some deep purple or well pre pre deep purple when deep purple was just a glimmer in a young Richie Blackmore's eye. Um, so, if you want to support our show, there's a number of ways that you can do it. One is, of course, to leave a five star rating on our Apple Podcasts. Uh, that helps new people discover the show. So I'm told. You can also buy some merch at our Etsy store. Um, you can become a patron on Patreon or on PayPal for as little as $1 a month. You can help support the show. It helps us buy albums to review, helps us buy equipment that we need to do the show, helps us occasionally buy tickets to shows. Um, so any sort of way you could support the show would be greatly appreciated. Uh, then you can also donate on Cash App using dollar sign DPPOD or support us on Ko-fi. Um, yeah, so, uh, speaking of patrons, new patron, we have a new patron this week. Unbelievable. Stephen Sharp coming in at the $3 and 33 cent halfway to evil tier coming to us all the way from Australia. Good day. Oh, <laughs> good day. Oh, there you go. Uh, uh, I kill me. 
He's very proud of himself, guys. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I just came up with that one. Yeah, yeah. No, no prior warning about the Australian patron. So thank you very much, uh, Stephen. We really appreciate it. Uh, he sends a note. He says, "Hi, Nathan and John. Thank you for a great show. I'm from Melbourne, Australia. I said that correctly, I think." Um, and have loved the music of Deep Purple since I was a teenager in the 70s. I enjoy your enthusiasm, commitment, and the sense of fun you bring to the podcast. Keep up the good work, Stephen. Hey, thanks. Stephen from Melbourne. We appreciate the uh, support. It's not Melbourne. I've been, <laughs> I've been told that. It's Melbourne. Melbourne. <laughs> is, that my, is that my Australian accent? Melbourne. It's terrible. I, is that like your... your your Jewish Australian accent. Oh, Melbourne. <laughs> jeez. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, God, so neurotic. By, by Jewish, you mean just a Woody Allen impression. That's the only <laughs> impression. You know, the, you know, I haven't thought about this in a while, but there was somebody the other day was just like, uh, they saw that that Crocodile Dundee clip where they're just like, this isn't a knife. Oh, yeah. This is a knife. And he pulls out that yeah. big friggin' machete. Yeah, the big Bowie knife. Was like, That's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> and it was like ridiculously huge. Oh, yeah. It was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. It's a great and, movie. Um, I never think about that movie. So that was really interesting. I think about yeah, that well, movie almost all the time. <laughs> I haven't seen it. There's so many scenes like the one where the guy's like doing coke at a party and he like he's like, oh, you're doing it wrong, mate. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> no, I haven't seen that in like forever. The guy's like he goes to a party and he's like he's like snorting lines of cocaine. And he's like, oh, he's, and he sees the guy and he looks all like, you know, like, like he's having a bad cold. He's like, oh, you're doing it wrong, mate. And he gets like a bowl and he, and he, he puts the cocaine in the bowl and he fills it with hot water and he puts like the towel over his head. He's like, you got to do this and inhale it. He's like, really? Is this, this will make me feel better. And he's like, oh, yeah, mate, this will make you feel real good. And, and then his, you know, the, the woman that's in, introducing New America, I forgot what her name is, who, you know, the romantic interest. He's like, I, you just blew, you know. Two grand worth of cocaine. He's like, what's cocaine? I guess they didn't have cocaine in Australia. I don't know. Um, <laughs> or he was just really naive. Yeah. Or the t one where he throws the um, he throws the can of soup at the, at the robber. He like grabs an old lady's purse and he starts running and he takes a can of soup from somebody's groceries and he throws it and he hits the guy in the back of the head and he lays him out. Is that supposed to like demonstrate his like boomerang skills? Yeah, well, his well, throwing skills later, like the uh, the cab driver who I think is the dad from uh, Family Matters, his his <laughs> his limo driver, um, takes like what you know the one of those old school like it looks like a boomerang uh, antenna off the back of a car and he uses it. Yeah. <laughs> and he, and I guess I don't know. He makes some sort of. He thinks he's Australian, but he makes uh, like some reference to like that he was in a gang. But I don't know what kind of gang fights with boomerangs. <laughs> <laughs> the famous boomerang gangs of the Bronx. I don't know. No, I haven't. Geez, I haven't seen that that movie in like forever. It's worth a rewatch. I think we got to watch it. It's, it's great. Great, great. You got the culture. You got the culture shock from both ends of the 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 the, the New York. The fast-paced, fast-talking New York, I don't know if she's a reporter or what. I think she's a reporter, going to Australia, and then he comes to New York and has just as much of a culture shock. It's great. Funny mm -hmm. stuff. Well done. I'm going to watch it again. The, the scene at the end is really weird, though, where he's walking across everybody's heads in the subway. 
All right, this is like lost. I probably haven't seen this since like 1987 or whenever it came out. Yeah, there's like this one. There's at the the very end of the spoilers (laughs) for this 40 year old movie. Spoiler alert! But like he's trying to get on the subway to get out of. They had the you know the misunderstanding, and he's on the subway trying to get out of town, and she is follows and runs. She takes off her heels and starts running, and she gets down to the subway. But there's a huge like a uh, sea of people in the subway and she can't get them. So she like yells to some like New York construction worker is like, Hey, Hey, what do you want lady? And he's like, can you tell that guy over there? And then like he um, yells and gets like the quintessential brother, like what, what, what you be? And then he yells to crocodile Dundee. And then they, they have this like chain going back. So you got these like New York, like stereotypes yelling to each other and then yelling to crocodile Dundee. And he's like, he's like, she says she loves you. Oh, and he's getting all <laughs> emotional. About it. And then he like gets up and he walks across everybody's heads to get back to her. And they're like cool with this because they've they've been so invested in this this uh, dialogue that's been going on. And uh, yeah, it ends on a happy note. Mm. Oh, good so. for them. <laughs> it's great. It's a great <laughs> movie to get like good stereotypes of yeah, like the n- neurotic cocaine snorting businessmen of the of the era you're you're all your basic new york stereotypes um mm-hmm. australian stereotypes it's, it's a great movie for stereotypes I'd highly, i think a lot of them were about yeah i mean pretty much every movie mm. but i don't it's one of those ones like i don't know how it holds up like is it like if would i watch it now and be like oh this is like a little cringeworthy or a little more offensive than i remember but i don't seem to remember it being uh mm-hmm but I have to, we'll have to watch it again. Maybe we'll do a bonus episode where we watch it. <laughs> and keep in mind, I, I don't think I've seen it in like 30 years, but like for some reason, it just like really sticks in my mind. Yeah, you you romanticize this movie. You're just like, ah, good memories. I do. It's a classic. Absolute classic. Um, all right. So that's our new patron. And uh, but that's not all. It's not just new patrons. It's also patron upgrade. We have a patron upgrade this week, a Mr. Duncan Leesk. Duncan writes and says, hope you can help. I've been thinking about an upgrade to the halfway to evil tier since the days that Raf Calf had it all to them uh, since the days Raf Calf had it all to himself. Having finally made the decision, I've looked at Patreon and it's not clear how I can choose. So I walked him through it and uh, he has since upgraded to the halfway to evil $3.33 tier. So thank you, Duncan. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. Had to do a little math for the um, the conversion factor on the Australian dollar. But now that everything comes in 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 its native currency, it's (laughs) the the tears Mm. have become a disaster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like you don't have enough work to do with all the uh, juggling all these names and sound effects. I think you just got to do it at like maybe maybe when we get a few more patrons, we can just like put it into one like range you know like whatever 10 to 15 dollars or whatever just make that be one range because there's just so Mm -hmm. many now which is which is great it's not a problem no no complaints here but speaking of our patrons at the executive level coming in at the 25 dollar uncommon man tier we have ovis nakfi and purple maniac at the 15 squid tier we have alan ain't too proud to beg at the 10 pound good doctor tier we have dr jill Brees and dr mike katan at the turn it up to 11 dollar tier we have clay wambacher frank tealgard mortensen mickelstein and Will Porter, and at the $10 Someone Came to here, Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Victor Campos, Better Call Saul Evans. Thank you so much for all of your support to the Deep Purple Podcast. But that's not it. 
We have an Apple Podcast review. Hey, oh. Oh, my good. Sir Fu comes in at the. Ooh. Sir Fu. Sir Fu. <laughs> Sir Fu. I love that. Sir Fu, like S I R F O O. Sir Fu. Oh. Coming okay. in from the UK, five stars. So much to like about this show is the title. He says, this has enhanced my enjoyment about all things Deep Purple. Knowledgeable, funny, and well-researched, but above all, it just feels like listening to a couple of old friends having a conversation about a rock band that we love. And occasionally Crocodile Dundee. He didn't put that in, but (laughs) that would have been very uh, fortuitous if he put that in, but he did not. That's very true. Yeah, so I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give Sir Fu, um, oh, you know what? I gotta change my sound settings here. Okay, I'm gonna give Sir Fu one sounding of the vibra slap. Thank you, Sir Fu. Um, and then, of course, check out our other shows at Deep Dive Podcast Network at deepdivepodcastnetwork.com. It's a feed of all of the most recent. Almost every day, there's a new show of one of our shows out. Shows about Queen, Black Sabbath, Aerosmith, Leonard Skinner, Ozzy. Raya Heap. (laughs) I'm just going off the top of my head here. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, you you name it. Uh, We've got a show for it. And even one specifically dedicated to the Metallica Lou Reed album, Lulu. Not just Metallica. Funny, we don't have a Metallica show, but we do have a show dedicated to just Lulu. So Now that's really just zeroing in on like one minutia right there that's it's like the exact opposite of our show in concept in that our concept was basically that if we stay in the deep purple orbit we will never run out of material but if you're just doing it on lulu yeah it's gonna be eventually you'll run out of material yeah hopefully for those guys they run out of material because <laughs> i know they're <laughs> i know it's a bit of a slog getting through mm. that album so all right, so this week we are talking about early, early Richie Blackmore sessions, some of his earliest recorded um, tracks and earliest recorded works um, uh, going is, way back. Is so this before he made that silly video where he was like, you know, shaking his hips? About the same time. Some of it a little oh, okay. bit before that, because I think that was 1964. The earliest stuff that I have on here is from 1963. So about that mm. time, almost everything we're going to go into today and um, that's why I'm kind of calling this part one, because it's something that ha- we could easily come back and do a part two and maybe even a part three. Um, but a lot of this stuff comes from a couple of compilations. One is this one, Richie Blackmore Getaway Sessions. And it's see, see a Rick, that's Buffont era Richie. Uh, it's a little blurry from this or not blurry, but um, uh, a little glare from the thing. It looks like him from the Shades of Deep Purple album cover. Yeah, bro. Yeah, about that. About that era. This one's from Castle Music, a label of Sanctuary Records, and this is a two-disc set that has over it's fifty-two songs on it. So it has some wow. of his early stuff, and then it has um, a few. It just has all sorts of stuff all over the place. So we're mostly going to stay in nineteen sixty-two, and maybe dip a little into. I'm, I'm sorry, nineteen sixty-three. Maybe dip a little bit into nineteen sixty-four, and then this two-disc set which is volume one and volume two of uh, uh, it's called Richie Blackmore um, rock profile connoisseur rock profile collection, Richie Blackmore volume one and volume two. And again, these have a bunch of other numbers. So most of the stuff today is coming off of that first one I showed you. Um, I actually went to the uh, 
the library this morning so I could, could make some scans of the artwork from this to put it in the MP3s. Um, and then I like I scanned and I scanned a bunch of other like I keep a little stack of CDs by my uh, by, by my desk that like I rip the CD and then if I don't have artwork for it, like when I get a few of them stacked up, I'll go to the library and do some scans because uh, I got like a really nice scanner down there for free. So I scanned like 75 pages worth of stuff and then it only put two of the images on my USB drive. Oh boy. So after cursing a little bit, I um, had to bring my son to the orthodontist, went back and I, I just did these ones so I'd have them for tonight. So, so what do you know about, what do you know about Richie Blackmore pre deep purple? Whatever you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> no, really it's um uh, the, the only, I don't I haven't really heard a lot of stuff when we did our early, um, our episode like 200 on, plus episodes ago. Yeah. However long ago that was, that was probably the earliest Richie stuff that I'd heard that I, that I can recall, but yeah. I'm not like there's a ton out there, but I mean, I think, um, yeah, not, not a whole, not a whole lot. So I'm about to get schooled today. Schooled. Well, me too. Cause I haven't heard a ton of this stuff either. Um, like fully all the way through. Like I kind of, when I buy a lot of these stuff, I buy them just kind of for reference. Um, but you know, I've kind of just thumbed through these and, and listened to a few of the things, but um, you know, some of them I heard and you, I'm sure you got some of them on your, what do you call it? That um, family deep purple family tree thing. Yeah. Deep purple family album. Yeah. Family album. Sorry. Um, you know what? I can't remember. I remember a Richie song in particular. I mean, I remember the, I mean, I remember the, the episode six, the Tommy Bolin stuff like uh, that, you know, all that um, very well, but I can't remember which early Richie song was on there. It's kind of like a slip in my mind right now. Yeah. You know, we'll have to look that up while we uh, listen to, um, mm. while we listen to this, but, but um, I mean, it's very limited. If it was, it was like that one song, you know? So yeah. Right. Um, that I that I know of. I'm trying to look it up right now and see if there's like a track listing here. Oh, I'm not seeing a track listing. I have to go check Discogs. I'll check that later. Um, yeah, oh well, no, here it is. Um, oh, it's tiny. Silly thing is, is that I have it here, but I mean it's buried. So. Oh, actually, yeah, there there are a, a couple things on here. There are a couple things on the Deep Purple Family album oh, from this from Richie. Oh, Blackmore, yes, um, Gl Glenda Collins. Glenda, yeah, all right, Glenda Collins and the Outlaws. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think um, I forgot about that one. If you gotta um, pick a baby. Is that the one we're doing today? Let's see. Oh, it is. Okay, so yeah, that one might be familiar to it. But uh, if I know you, it's probably one that you probably skipped because <laughs> it's very yeah, 60s. Actually, yeah, like uh, that was, yeah, that was like the first track on the album. But you know what? For the, you know, for the for the life of me, I couldn't remember how it goes. No, no. I mean, I even remember the uh, the Pace Evans from uh, M15 song. Oh, the, the, yeah, um, yeah, the M5 or MI5 rather. M yeah, that's it. Yep. Yeah, sorry. No, it's, I can't, uh, I'm, I'm trying to read it here and it's all freaking blurry. Um, yeah, it's a really, really tiny picture on Amazon from my old eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but um, yeah, that Glenda, Col I'm just like, oh, I, I don't know who that is, but it's, Early Richie, okay. Yeah, so all of this stuff is going to sound pretty... I tried to pick songs that um, a lot of them feature a Richie guitar solo. Um, so 
So, you know, just to kind of see what his early solos were like. But you'll hear, obviously, the, the style of his playing mm-hmm. in the songs, too. And it's, you know, he was just getting his, this is what, um, the five years before Shades of Deep Purple, even. So, you know, you didn't really start to really come into his own until probably like a year after that, even. So I'm obviously he was a hugely recognized guitar player even at this point and a, uh, a sought after session guy. But, you know, like as far as finding his own voice and all that sort of stuff would come much later. So, right. so let's listen to some uh, some early uh, Richie Blackmore. This first one is an instrumental. I think this is the only instrumental that we have um, in this list. And it's uh, the Outlaws, which was an instrumental band. Um, this is the return of the Outlaws. Was it live? I think I think those are uh <laughs> I think those are just like the sound the the sound effects of the old west. Yeah, probably from Gunsmoke. Pops would probably recognize them. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the uh Very, very clear production, it sounds like. Yeah, I don't know if they kind of touched some of these. I'm trying to see what year this is from. This is 2005 that they put this together. It sounds like they cleaned it up a lot because the quality on these is much better than the other set that I showed you. Just where I tried to get so much stuff off of this. So, you know, this is really I think, 60s, but it's good quality. It's very good quality. You get the you get the horse gall- galloping horse sound effects. So you've got in this band, you've got um, Mick Underwood. You've got, uh, is it uh, Richie, Chaz Hodges. And this is funny, like of all the songs we're going to do today, this is by far, I think, the longest. It's not even three minutes long. <laughs> they really know how to get in and get out in those days. Yeah, that was, uh, that's one good thing about like these uh, kind of like 60s uh, pre-psychedelic songs was that they were just like super short. Yeah, if you didn't like it, you didn't have to wait very long. It's just funny, like, Richie had gone from, you know, this and Screaming Lord Such, these like gimmicky bands where they're all dressed up like cowboys or they're all dressed up like cavemen or they're all dressed up like Roman soldiers, <laughs> <laughs> trying to find that gimmick that's going to cut through. Yeah. Yeah, I think this they use this in an episode of Gunsmoke. Apparently, they had a lot of um, lineups in this band. Got a lot of former members. Mm-hmm. Long fade out, too. Or mm-hmm. a lot of blank space at the end of that one. So that's the Outlaws. And it's funny, that's the... Um, this is the return of the Outlaws. So I guess they had been kind of around starting in 1960... 
And then um, this one was like the return of the outlaws was the new lineup, which was Mick Underwood, Ken Lundgren, Chaz Hodges, and Richie Blackmore. Um, but they weren't really returning. They'd been around for a while. And this came out in about February of, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, this, this one came out in February of 1963. So this is one of the earlier Blackmore tracks. So what do you, what do you think of the outlaws? The other one was a little more groovy, a little more danceable. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's interesting because maybe it's because I know, or that we know that it's Richie, but there were like little moments in there where I I was kind of picking out his style a little bit. Like, yeah, I can, I can hear Richie in here buried the Richie that we know buried deep down. Yeah. Um, Just uh, maybe some of the, his phrasing or the way that he was uh, just his playing, I think was always there, but it wasn't like developed yet. But like, I just call it like little, little bits of it. Uh, But I mean, typical like if you played it on like a like a 60s cowboy show i wouldn't have known this from anything oh yeah this was yeah if this was in the background of a yeah of of an episode of gunsmoke that your dad was watching you probably wouldn't make any notice yeah be like hey that's richie (laughs) is that that richie underwood (laughs) it's like (laughs) yeah i wouldn't know um so the next uh, track uh up is from someone named chad carson and this one is called Jesse James. This is an unreleased track. Jesse James, Jesse James. Just a little over two minutes long. Like thunder in the skies. And with a wild hunted look in their eyes. <laughs> I love it. Dressed in black. Like Rishi sounds like he was really involved in this spaghetti western shit. Yeah, right. That was just like such a popular thing back then. Yeah. People wearing the coonskin yes. caps and pretending like they were uh, cowboys and stuff. It was a real. It was a real thing. Very inventive uh, lyrics. <laughs> Here's a Richie solo. They caught the train. I Once again, you can yeah. hear a little bit. You can hear that. A little bit of uh, Richie's signature sound in there. Just a little bit. Those drums are so dry, it sounds like. There's like nothing ringing on that snare. But this was this was a Joe Meek production who Richie worked a lot with back then. But I like that they find room for a guitar solo in a two minute and 17 second song. Jesse 
That's a another one from 1963, Joe Meek production. Jesse J. I like that to say Jesse James, Jesse James, <laughs> and the leader was a man named Jesse James. It's like yeah, we we got it from the first two times you said Jesse James. What was his name again? Uh, Jesse James. <laughs> it's it sounds like something that would be on the the uh, like the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. Mm. That that whole. This whole style of music, I think, got popularized by that years ago. I remember when that mm-hmm. became the big thing, when it was all these kind of like uh, like AM radio staples uh, or not even just kind of like deep AM radio deep cuts or like kind of uh, this kind of um, music was just became really in to put in uh, in film soundtracks and, uh, you know, scores and stuff like that. Um Right. And then, um, you know, it was um, kind of led to the resurgence of like uh, like Dick Dale and guitar players like that, I think. Yeah. Um, at the time, anyways, because it had that just that really kind of retro back to the early 60s kind of, like I said, spaghetti Western type of feel. And, you know, that was that was kind of like um, kind of on the fringe, kind of cool. Yeah, the mid '90s kind of blew up again a little bit. But yeah, yeah, like are- a lot of weird styles back then when we were like in high school and college, like like uh, this big band ska, like a bunch of weird types of music kind of came back into vogue. Yeah, now the 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 the, the youngsters at work are like getting a retro for like 2004. <laughs> <laughs> the youngsters, <laughs> like that's. I like that the last last year I began hiring people at work that are um, that weren't born when I started working there. <laughs> it's, oh, it's a real wake up call. And you're just like you look at their birthday and you're like, oh, my God, I'd been working here for a year before you were born. This is not right. Oh, you're just, you're a full like grown the, adult. <laughs> the, the, the playlist. They're just like, what do you like? Uh, I'll hear, what do you want to listen to today? They're like, how about some classic Britney? It's like, oh, God. <laughs> Even that's, yeah, well, even that's like 25 years old at this point. Yeah. Classic Britney. This is like retro. No, that's, <laughs> no, you don't, those two words don't belong together. So Classic Britney? Yeah. It's classic Britney, say, bitch. <laughs> hey, what's this? It's classic Britney, bitch. <laughs> oh. oh, shit. All right, so. That's Chad Carson. There's another song by Chad Carson on this one. Um, We're going to move over to the guy, Burr Bailey. Burr Bailey, isn't he the guy that drives Cash Cab? No, that's Ben Bailey. (laughs) He's hilarious, too. Yeah, he's good. Very good. We were always, when we lived in New York, we were always wondering if we'd have, when we called a cab, we were like, imagine if the cash, we get the cash cab. Never got the cash cab, though. Just. He's got a um he's got a couple of he's got a couple of stand up albums that are outstanding. Yeah, I've seen a he talks a lot about Cash Cab. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but when he doesn't, he's still like he's he's hilarious too because he's got one one that's clean and then one that's like just full of swears and he doesn't oh, really? have to be yeah, he doesn't have to be like it was it's like Ben Bailey like un- uncensored. uncensored or something is just <laughs> ben like Bailey unleashed just like saying fuck for no reason, you know, <laughs> but it's like, but he's one of those comedians where he doesn't have to swear to yeah. be hilarious. So, um, and I think he only, he had like one album that I'd heard anyway. It's like, it's really good. Yeah. So I wonder, I'm sure it's not an international thing, cash cab, but in 
in the states here we, there was a, is it still on i think they still make new episodes don't they uh i don't know i know that that some some ideas some concept that they have the they've moved from like the original host and they still do it with you know some somebody else schlep oh, really? that nobody's heard of but yeah because the funny thing is he has to be like an actual licensed cab driver but he's yeah. also a comedian <laughs> but yeah. he, he doesn't really need to be a comedian but he is it's, but it's a game show so you you the cab pulls over to pick you up and then you get in and then they, like all these like disco lights go on on the on the ceiling he's like you're in the cash cab and some people are like oh cool and some people are like what's going on depending on whether or not they've heard of the show <laughs> yeah. and then he asks you questions and you got like lifelines you can call a friend you can uh i forgot what the other things are you can do um I don't I don't know if they if you can call like a like a lifeline type of yeah, thing. Yeah, you can or call somebody. You can call I've like a friend, it. but there, I think there's one where they eliminate like two of the answers. So there's only two options. Yeah. And then there's one. Or, where you, or can, you could like or you could like, I don't know, roll down the window and ask. ask yeah, oh, somebody yeah, you like can just pull over and just ask some schlub on the street. Hey, <laughs> help <laughs> me win money. What's Act the you. what's the capital of Vermont? <laughs> <laughs> like, there was um, <laughs> there was one. There's one of those things on his um in, in one of his um one of the tracks on his album where he was talking about how people people are always like, Oh, you you seem uh you're a lot bigger than you are on TV. And he's like, Well, of course I am. Because he's like, I don't know, he's like six foot two or whatever. Oh, he looks like pretty big, big on the show. He's a big guy. Yeah. But you know how it is. It's just like when you meet somebody in person, you're like, Oh, you're like I, I thought you'd be bigger or something. So he said, um, it was something like, Well, one time like he goes, I wanna hire I wanna hire a midget that looks just like me <laughs> and walk like several feet behind him. He goes, and then when people see him, they'll be like, Wow, you look exactly the same size. Yeah, that's the same in- size as the guy on my TV. On TV in real life. And then he says, and then I walk up behind him and go, (laughs) so stupid, but I I couldn't stop laughing for like five minutes. (laughs) He he comes up behind him like Godzilla because he's like six, three or something. Oh, it's so stupid. I love comedy. (laughs) All right. So here we go. Burr Bailey, not Ben Bailey, like a bird without feathers. Some little Richie Benz. This one's a minute and 57 seconds. My get God. in, get the hell out. This is the kind of 60s I can get into. Yeah, nice and upbeat, happy. Boom, done. Ooh. <laughs> he did that for a long time. And he's got that friggin' spring reverb turned all the way up. Oh, yeah, yeah. You could you hear it in the background. I would have thought it was great. He's already done like a 25-second guitar solo. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> guitar solo in the song. I thought it would be great if he just done the entire time. Never did anything else. Hey, name checks him. Ooh, almost did like a sweet arpeggio there. Yeah. It's really interesting. Nice. I mean, it. You can you can just kind of pick up some stuff that he did later. Yeah. 
Like the whole repeating thing was like, he he did that a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. The beginning of mistreated. Yep. <laughs> he does it for like 30 seconds. Oh, but that kicked ass. They're like, fade it out fast. It's almost going to hit two minutes. I love it. This was like years before. CC, pick up that guitar and <laughs> talk to me. He's just like, yeah, let's hear it again, Richie. <laughs> uh, good old Burr Bailey. Yeah, so Burr Bailey is actually a musician named Dave Adams. And this was one of his uh, his uh, aliases. He passed away in 2016. Uh, he's from, uh, looks like he was uh, American. He was born in Jersey and he passed away in New York. Hmm. Um, uh, so, so he worked, started working with Joe Meek, the, you know, legendary producer that uh, produced a lot of, a lot of the early stuff, you know, that Richie was on. Um, he was also a member of Heinz Burt's backing band. We'll get to him later. Um, and he was part of the production of the hit single Telstar by the Tornadoes, which is maybe one of the more better known Joe Meek, uh, productions. So kind of, kind of interesting. Dave Malcolm Adams. Oh, play that guitar, Richie. All right. So the next one is by Silas Dooley. Where are these people getting their names from? Silas Dooley Jr. Oh, Jr. Okay. Jr. The second. Silas Dooley Jr. You've seen the movie National Treasure? Mm, I don't know. There's like like a scene where they're they're looking at the Silas do-good letters. That's the only Silas that I know. Or I guess Baron Silas Greenback from Danger Mouse. I know him. Silas Duguid was like an alias of Benjamin Franklin. So I don't know if there's any, uh, if there's any, if Silas Dooley is a, is, is, a, is a take on that. But what about Danger Mouse? You ever see Danger Mouse? A classic British production? I don't know who any of these people are. You never watched Danger Mouse? Oh, it was so good. Oh. No, I don't think so. It was like a no. mouse and he was a secret agent and he had a little, uh, <laughs> a little hamster or I think it was a hamster, like a uh, uh, sidekick named Penfold. And the, the bad oh. guy was Baron Silas Greenback. He was this big frog and he had some some crows, <laughs> some Italian crows that worked for him. And they're like, hey, what's up, Baroni? Sure thing, Baroni. They, they would do his bidding. These like these no. uh these little crow henchmen. It's a great cartoon. No. Yeah. Yeah, Brit- it was like a it was a British cartoon. If they they used to play it on Nickelodeon when we were kids. No, no, I was just into the I was into the, uh, what do you call them? The, I think the ones that came, I'm pretty sure they came out here. I'm, I'm like, um, Transformers, Thundercats, oh, yeah, He-Man, yeah. um, GI Joe, like, um, like assuming those are all American cartoons. But. You weren't into my, uh, counterculture, uh, British cartoons. No, our, our no, British listeners of a certain age will appreciate the Danger Mouse reference. I don't, I don't think we got those channels. I have every uh, I have every episode of Danger Mouse. It's, it's a it's a great great. I used to watch it with the kids when they were little. I don't even know if they remember it. We have to bring that back in, in circulation. But anyway, I keep <laughs> I keep getting distracted by these <laughs> by these, by these names weird names. Yeah, they just reason. keep taking us off in different directions. All right, here it is. Silas Dooley Jr. 
And this track is, which one are we doing here? Out Behind the Barn. Hey, oh. Two minutes and nine seconds. My peppy used to tend my pride out behind the barn. They all have that same bouncy country type of yeah. feel to it. How to kiss and pet. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't believe that, like, it's just hard to believe that Richie went from this to the neoclassical <laughs> type stuff of the, the, the 80s pop stuff. Hey, when you're, the, a, when you're a, you can make a really good living as a session guy, and he's just like, sure, I'll, he probably banged these all out in one or two takes and took the paycheck. Here he goes. But it's just really good at this kind of country twang kind of stuff. It kind of it makes you think when he when he went to do like uh, anyone's daughter, he was maybe hearkening back to some of this. I wish that I could yeah, it's true. He's got that really affected country accent. Burn. Actually, <laughs> actually, you're right. That this song in particular could have been an influence for anyone's daughter. I got my education out behind the barn. Everybody getting a whooping from his papa. Oh, I thought he meant like he was back there necking with some. <laughs> Petting, with some doing some heavy petting, petting. some heavy petting with uh, some a judge's dame. daughter. <laughs> no, no, not Dane. What? Are they, I don't know. What are they? Farm, farm girl. A lass, a, 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 a cute little lassie. Yeah. What are they? What do they call country girls? Just I don't know. Lassies, country girls. Yeah. Ada Wayne. A filly. A filly. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a that's one fine looking filly out behind the barn. <laughs> It could actually hey, be a Philly, though. Here. He was getting I lonely. Some, I don't know. Come here. I got some picture postcards for you from Paris. Ooh. <laughs> international lassies. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. It made about. me think of that um, Norm McDonald. I don't know why everything's making me think of comedians. <laughs> <laughs> because comedians are awesome. That Norm McDonald bit about how his dad uh, caught him smoking, like, behind the barn. I think he said behind the barn. Mm-hmm. Or it was behind the garage. And he made... He made him, uh, what was it? It was like, he caught him doing something. So he made him like smoke a whole pack of cigarettes or something. And then he, um, he caught him doing something, smoking a joint behind the, the, the barn. And so his dad made him do heroin. (laughs) 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 And then he he talks about like, and my dad's head came out from me out behind the barn. He says, he's like, this time it was just his head, a giant head floating there. (laughs) 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 He was so friggin' funny. Yeah, he was fantastic. Great uh, stuff. 
But yeah, Out Behind the Barn. This one is by Silas um, Silas Dooley Jr. And funny thing is, this is the same guy that did the last track. This is uh, Dave Adams, is another alias. He had Burr Bailey and Silas Dooley Jr. Uh, he did stuff under both of these names. Um, so, oh, wow. Um, yeah, he had, and he had, a, I guess he had a few other sort just of dipping, uh, dipping into the well on both ends there <laughs> just coming up with just he's just pulling out uh genius nicknames apparently he's yeah he, he passed away like i said in 77 but another you know a guy from new jersey doing a real like behind the barn like doing this really like overdone country uh accent american country accent I mean, it's really it's really kitschy now. But when you hear it in context, it's like, OK, that's just what people that's what shit sounded like in the 60s. You don't even bat an eye. You're just like, yeah, it's hokey. Yep. Like if you tried to pull that stuff today, you'd be like, the hell is this? <laughs> like do a song like this. Yeah. Like they don't really like songs don't aren't as gimmicky these days. And I noticed that a lot listening to to Mark and Pete on the 70s weekly podcast you'll mm -hmm. you'll do one of these they'll do one of these weeks from the 70s like some random week and you'll have like country songs disco songs rock songs weird like instrumentals like like yeah. just like it'll be like the, the the i don't know like uh theme from a movie you know it's just like such All an eclectic them, mix of different things and they'll, they'll also be like like funny like gimmicky like what the weird al equivalents of the day in mm -hmm. there and the, so it's it's the, it's such a you know there's lots of styles and stuff too of popular music but but back then it was such a a mixed bag of everything you could possibly imagine things like you wouldn't hear like an orchestral theme uh from a movie being in the top 40 now you wouldn't you wouldn't hear no. a, most for the most part like a like a traditional country song or all that it's like most most stuff is a little more uh fragmented or segmented and and, and based on uh styles and genres so it's kind of interesting um i'd but, say now it's um now it's different because to make us to to make a song it's either you get a an older song as part of a soundtrack for a movie or a hit show, or you have one in a movie or a hit show and that's how it blows up. Not, you know, yeah, they, like, say or, like a, or they'll do some sort of, of like cover it. version, like a, like a, yeah, like a really, uh, stylized cover version of a, of a, of an old song or something. Right. But, and there are sometimes just use the old song, like, you know, a lot of stranger things introduced a lot of people to like Kate Bush and Metallica and stuff all of a sudden back in the charts. Cause, cause of this mm -hmm. show. Um, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. So that's Silas Dooley Jr. Um, there's, uh, there's also this link here that says he was, a, was among the pseudonyms of Dave Adams, a 1950s rock and roller, rock and roll and roller who later came beneath the aegis of maker Joe Meek. Although his achievement was limited, under this and his additional aliases, there was a whole Silas Dooley Jr. recording recorded that was released four years later. I don't know what they're talking about later than what, but um, got a link to that in the show notes. Some stuff about Silas Dooley, uh, which begins brings us to our next artist, and that is Heinz. I'm not going to talk about Heinz ketchup. We're just going to get right into it. Heinz. <laughs> And this is Heinz Burt, who was a German recording artist. Whenever I'm sad, whenever I'm blue, whenever I'm the 
know, this one's a little different. It's nice to not have one of these country songs now. <laughs> yeah. It's a regular old 60s pop song. So this was his biggest selling solo hit after he left the tornado as a tribute to Eddie Cochran. Hmm. Unfortunately for him, it coincided with the emergence of the Beatles and kind of, he kind of faded off after this one. short guitar break. He must have stayed around in England because he passed away in uh, 2000 in, in Hampshire. So he has kind of a sad story associated with him, which is that he got in a fight with Joe Meek, the producer, about royalties and brought a shotgun to the studio to kind of threaten him and get his royalties back. And uh, Oh, no, he didn't bring the... I'm sorry, he had the shotgun at the studio. He didn't bring it to... He didn't bring it to threaten him, but he, he had um, this shotgun at the studio that he owned... And mm -hmm. Joe Meek, they got this into this fight over the royalties and um, he ended up moving out and breaking ties with Joe Meek. And Joe Meek later would use this shotgun to kill himself and his landlady in 1967, um, which is a sad end to Joe Meek's career, which obviously had some he had some troubles. Um, but yeah, that's Heinz. Um, uh, funny, I, I mentioned the Heinz ketchup, but there is a, an association with Heinz baked beans, which is um, he sent him on tour with Gene Vincent and Jerry Lewis. Audiences did not take to him and he was attacked on stage and had beans thrown onto him. The hell? Because because of Heinz baked beans, I guess. So. It's a tough I crowd. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like. I don't like somebody, it's just like don't go see him. God. Well, yeah, I mean, it takes some you because that's like totally premeditated. Like, oh, we're gonna go see that Heinz guy. Let's bring some Heinz baked beans and throw it at him to mock <laughs> him, his name. Like, yeah, that's its actual name. But you don't just have those on hand. You gotta, yeah, like you, gotta you go you, shop for that stuff. I was like, oh, good canned beans. That's a lot easier. <laughs> you see them in the audience with a can opener <laughs> opening all these beans. <laughs> it's also not easy to throw beans. Like, how do you throw? Like you'd have to take them in your hand and throw them. It's very messy. Just yeah. get, get some rotten tomatoes. <laughs> it's a tried and true. Of course, you don't want to have those in your pocket either. Um, the last uh, song before we take a little break here is going to be by Gene Vincent. There's two songs here. Um, one I think is probably a better representation, but I'm going to play this one because I like the, uh, the, the title of it. It's called Catch Me a Rat. Somebody's been a 
stealing all my sugar. Somebody's gonna sit in my chair. Somebody's gonna smoke in my cigarettes. Cause I see butts everywhere. I'm always at me a trap. Sounds like fever. It's on fever. Yep. Somebody's gonna messing with my puppy. Somebody's left him purring on the mat. Somebody must have touched him with the whammy hand. Cause he looked just like a cat. I'm gonna set me a trap. You give me fever. <laughs> In the morning. Somebody with me painted my I'm sure, like, there were a ton of songs that had this kind of beat and rhythm to it. Melody. Yeah, this is very close, though. And it came out after Fever, so maybe that's what they were going for. Hmm. Oh, this guy was only... Gene Vincent was only 36 when he died. Oof. There's a picture, there's a section on his Wikipedia called Later Career. I mean, God, he died at 36. He was married four times. Oh, this guy got around. He doesn't waste any time. There's a picture of him on Wikipedia looking like he's 67 years old. You better get out of here, man. You in a wrong house. I like that one. I mean, I like the song Fever, so. I swear I'm not, like, doing this on purpose, but do you ever see uh, the comedian Mark McCollum? <laughs> um, maybe if I heard one of his bits. I he would comes out with the guitar and he does, like, a lot of, like, parodies. But he does mm. he does a parody of Fever, but it's it's about Leave it to Beaver. No. Leave it to Beaver in the morning, <laughs> Beaver in the afternoon. He does the whole thing. <laughs> no. Oh, it's great. Uh, yeah, it's one of those ones I like. I taped off of Showtime when I was a kid and watched like a thousand times. Oh, yeah. He does that. He does, um, he, and he does like originals too. He's kind of like a Weird Al sort of thing. He does some parodies. He does some original. He does this song about, like, he does a lot of really good impressions. So he does mm-hmm. one of like about Popeye and he's like olive oil. And and Popeye like having like a like a uh, like a duet, and he does like he just does a lot of like weird random things, and he'll have like these little like um, dinosaur heads that he'll use to like do backup vocals, and he's like he's he's all over the place. He's got all sorts of pedals on the on the floor, and he's like sweating and puts on quite a show. He was a uh, he was in some comedy special I I had. What was that? Was the MC was uh, uh was uh, Pat Morita. <laughs> it, was, it was great. Wow. I think I uploaded it to YouTube years ago. So if you find it on YouTube, it's probably my upload. Yeah. <laughs> not to find it, but um, hey, before we even get to um, thanking the patrons, which is, of course, uh, you know, one of our most important duties here, there is something else that uh, we do need to do um, that I neglected to do earlier in the show. Unusual to do it in the middle of the show, but I'm going to do it anyway. And that is, of course... 
Postcards from the Edge of Connecticut. So yeah, this is weird. Yeah, it is weird, right? Um, this showed up. So as you remember, Pete wrote a lot of postcards to me from from your little adventure to the Stormbringer show. And they came mm -hmm. to me in like groups of three. And then after all of that, the first one arrived um, <laughs> just the other day. Um, okay. This one is the, the one dated March 11th. And it's a little picture. It says uh, it says court courthouse center for the arts Stormbringer and all the guys in the band featuring Alcatraz guitarist Joe Stump. And it says, mm -hmm. Nate, now here's a great concert and fun time that you missed for you. <laughs> Pete. <laughs> and then he's got my name with all the umlauts and circumflexes on it. Um, but this one is not was not um, done with a Avery label. So this was the first one he did. He hand wrote it and then he probably got tired of it and made all the Avery labels. <laughs> so thank you for Had that. To make Pete. it easy on himself. Yeah. But that's not all. Um, another one, which is, uh, which appears to be, um, I don't know. I think this is like, uh, it looks like the beginnings of the crucifixion. <laughs> so this must be cavalry and, uh, or okay. Calvary, 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 right? Calvary, right. Calvary, uh, not the cavalry. The cavalry is the guys on the horses. Um, so it says, uh, the country's largest religious painting, the crucifixion, portrays that poignant moment before the earthly death of Jesus. Jan Stika's masterpiece is presented with narration and music in the Hall of Crucifixion Resurrection at Forest Lawn. I don't know where this is from, but it says, Nate, now here is a Good Friday greeting for you. Happy Easter, Pete. And this actually, I think, did arrive on Good Friday. Here's a crucifixion for you. <laughs> Here's a crucifixion for you. They've Yikes. only got, you know, two of the crosses up and they look like they're getting Jesus ready on the third one. So a little bleak. <laughs> Get, getting him ready. Getting him ready. Man, that's that is a wild postcard. Yeah, it's I guess it must be a famous painting, but. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm not familiar. It doesn't say where it's from, though, so I don't know if it's like from some sort of magazine or something. But mm. anyway. Um, thank you, Pete, for the uh, postcards. Much appreciate it. And I was just in St. Louis. I didn't get any postcards because I, oh, wow. I didn't see any. I, I don't really look out for them, but I didn't really see any postcards. The only time I ever saw one was when we were in, when we were in uh, St. Petersburg. Mm. Um, but anyway, thank you very much, Pete. Do appreciate it. Um, and speaking of great things, uh, we would like to thank our great core level patrons coming in at the $7.77 keep it warm rat tier. We have Michael Vader at the $6.99 new nice price tier. We have Fielding Fowler at the episode $6.66 tier. We have Steve Coldwell, Arthur Smith and Anton Glaving at the $6.65 almost evil tier. We have Kenny Wymore. At the $5.99, the nice price tier, Robert Smith, Peter from Illinois, Michael Bagford, and Carl Helberg. At the 60 kroner Scandinavian Knights tier, we have Zwapper the Electric Alchemist and Newt Morton Johansson. And at the $5 Moneylender tier, we have John Convery, German Heidel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Elman, Oleksi the Perfect Stranger Slepikoff, James North, Mark Hodgetts, Will Porter, Kev Roberts, Percival Frequency, Scott Zerns, Cynthia Doobie, Raf Kaff, and Richard Fusey. Thank you so much to all of you for your very, very generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. We couldn't do it without you. All right. So coming in on the second half here. We've got uh, the next track. This one is by Michael Cox, and this one is called 
I've been thinking. Here we go. Tasty little guitar, guitar licks thrown in by Richie. I think she's going to punch him. It's almost like it's almost like it's written to be a parody of songs at this time. Won't you be my yeah. steady date? <laughs> Ooh, I mean, back then that was some serious shit. <laughs> Country solos by Richie. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I just can't help but think this sounds really creepy when you're not hearing any input from the girl. <laughs> it's so one sided, you're like. Dude, I don't know if she likes you like that. Yeah, well, I mean, think of those songs from uh, back around that time, like that that Christmas song. Um, so, baby, it's cold outside. Oh yeah. Where he's like, "Come on," and she's like, "No," and he's like, "Yeah, come on." It'd <laughs> <laughs> be great if that was the that was the actual banter. Come on, no, no, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but this one, you know, basically what the, that's what the friggin' song is. This is what this one is. Um, but you don't even get anything from this one. So it's just kind of like, you know, when a guy's been thinking, like he's usually wrong. <laughs> I've been thinking, what are you going to do? It's like, oh, if you're thinking what she's going to do, she's probably not going to do what you would like her to do. <laughs> I've been thinking what you're going to do when I kiss your lips. It's just like, I don't know. She's probably trying to try to get away. I'm thinking I'm going to put some Rohypnol in your drink. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> wait, wait, what? That's the follow-up song if what, you know, if, if it doesn't go his way. But yeah, I don't know about Michael Cox. So Michael Cox, uh, he didn't have a ton of info about him. He, uh, let's see. He had quite, he's got a few intros or a few entries on Discogs. He's a British pop star. An actor born Michael James Cox in Liverpool, recorded for De- Deca Pie, HMV, Parlophone, and Joe Meek. Did you, what was it? Michael James Cox? Yeah. Sounds like Michael J. Fox. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Like... Cox. <laughs> wow. Wow. We're finding a lot of similarities between these people here and weird names and this is, yeah, this is a good time. I think there was a, uh, I had to get something notarized. What was it? When I was back in Rhode Island, uh, yeah. 
for like a wedding or something. I don't think mm-hmm. it, it might have been for my wedding. It might have been for Jeff's wedding. I can't remember. But the guy that the guy that um, shoot, it comes up in my time hop every, every year when I see it because I, t- I post it on Instagram. But his name was like Michael J. Fox, I think was the guy. <laughs> it was like either that or it was Michael J. Cox or something like it was super, super close and it was like to the point where like did you put that middle initial in there just so it's be almost the same um but yeah i've got it somewhere when it comes up i'll have to i'll send it to you yeah but um yeah michael j michael j cox um uh, so he co-wrote the song all all along came caroline with jeff stevens but used his grandfather's surname steel as an alias that's one of his aliases so he's got um Quite a few. Like it sounds like he, it seems like he's like on a lot of compilations. So probably just some of his hits on like a lot of different story compilations and Joe Meek stuff. So mm. it's Michael J. Cox for you. All right. So the next track up is this is Glenda Collins. This is the one that would have kicked off that family album. Mm-hmm. And this is Glenda Collins. If you gotta pick a baby. Yep, I know. I remember. You remember it. it? Yep. Yeah. As soon as I heard the. As soon as I heard those, those cool bending chords or whatever he was playing. Yep. Those early, early unison bends. I remember liking this. This is a good one. Yeah, this is pretty good. And she's got a heavily affected voice, but I mean, it's got a good melody. She's like really belting it out. Yeah. That's very Richie. It sounded like he had like almost like a chorus effect or something on it. He's got a good voice. Did eight singles with Joe Meek. She has yeah, a bunch. She has a bunch definitely of re- a standout. Yeah, I, li- I like that one. She's got a bunch of releases from this like 1960 to 1966, and then she's got releases in 2020 and 2023. So I don't really? know if those are compilations, but she, they did say she came oh. out of retirement. Um, she came out of retirement in 2000, no, 1999, briefly, and then she did a special recording in 2020. Um, so she's actually got some new stuff coming out. Imagine that. Good for her. Oh, yeah, that's got some good, uh, some good Richie playing on it. Um, This next one is by someone named 
Gunilla Thorn. And this one, this this one kind of piqued my interest because it's it's kind of crazy sounding. It's called Go On Then. Go on then. Go on then. Just a look on your face. <laughs> oh, that woke me up. Go on then. <laughs> I know it's So she's a Swedish singer born in Malmo. Lived in London during this time. And then ended up moving to Denmark. It's amazing hearing Richie when he was like, he didn't sound like a standout back then, you know? Like, he's good, obviously, for the yeah. time. But yeah, this could have been any but, but schlub any, with a guitar. Any, any decent studio guy. Mm. But then, you know, a few years later, he'll elevate himself to being, you know, considered one of the top guitarists ever. Well, you figure he just kept working on his craft until he found, like, that unique sound that made him him. Yeah, for for every every one of these songs that you're hearing, and there's dozens and dozens and dozens of them, is represents hours and days and weeks and months and years that he worked on playing guitar and getting better, and you mm-hmm. know just having this background coming into the studio to do Shades of Deep Purple, which they did in whatever they said, like they did it in a long weekend. Um, that was nothing for him. That was that was like probably a normal weekend for him. Was just working all day in the studio. Mm-hmm. throwing tracks down and being able to do it so effortlessly. And all of them had kind of done quite a bit of recording at that point to just be able to get together and put something down on tape so quickly with, with so little um, thought and then move on to the next thing. Um, that's real good skill to have. And when you get those good studio guys, they are, they get a lot of work because you just, you need some time is money in the studio and you need somebody that can just come in and, bang out whatever needs to bang out. And I would doubt any of these songs had much more than a few little rehearsal takes and probably knocked it out in one or two takes. You know, what's um, really interesting too, besides the guitar work is um, what you were saying before was about novelty songs, how we don't yeah. really hear much of that anymore. But the, like the vocals in these, we keep, we keep commenting on how, how kind of silly they are, but yeah. it, it's really that's something that was really distinct to all these songs. If you think about it, like they're doing all of these, like these voices and these inflections and these kind of things to make them stand out. And that's, that seems to be, have been a thing of the time where they were really, that that must've been a, a, a trend or a fad or something in music where they were just really experimenting with these kind of crazy vocals. Um, like this one was really, you know what I mean? It makes you just kind of be like, whoa, it stands yeah. out. And I wonder if that was a thing to kind of like hook people in to, to listen to it, aside from obviously having a good session player. Um, 
but um, that and the drums too just sounds so so unusual. Like uh, there were sometimes it sounds like they were beating on paper lanterns, and other ones it just sounded like they were just playing like like tom toms or whatever, like uh, just uh, you know bongos or whatever. It's just like they weren't wasn't recorded really well, or I don't know, maybe it was for maybe the for time, the time but, probably yeah. But um, but no, I'm actually. Um, I mean, whether these were, you know, they were probably cleaned up or whatever, the quality of them is actually pretty good. Like you can tell they're from the sixties, but they don't sound, um, like poor quality. Yeah. Like they're listenable for sure. Yeah. It's a good point you make. It's, it's like, kind of like that traditional bad advice about resumes, you know, make sure, you know, know, some people will like put it on scented paper or like colorful paper to get, yo, you want to get their attention. It's like, yeah, you don't want to get their attention necessarily in a bad way. Um, But yeah, I wonder if it's just in the, in the attempt to get radio play or which is probably going to be your main way of getting exposure and, and making money is coming up with songs that are a little that jump out or a little silly, you know, it's like, or, or, you know, I could think of my kids when they were little and they'd hear a song. Like if they were little in 1963, they'd be like, play, go on then. Don't go on then. <laughs> you know, like they'd be yeah, saying something it. that sticks in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if she just delivered that normally, that's, that was what kind of jumped out about this one to me is like, it was kind of, it sounded a little crazy and that's what made me want to listen to it again. Really. Mm-hmm. Even though I thought it was a little silly, um, and then it starts to grow on you. And then before you know it, you're singing, you're humming the song. I'll be going to bed tonight going, go on then. <laughs> and my <laughs> wife will be looking at me like I'm insane. Um, but yeah, Gunilla Thorn. So yeah, not, not, not much else uh, uh, given credit to her on, um, on Discogs. She did some stuff into the, uh, into the sixties and retired from music in the seventies. So if you know anything else about Ganilla Thorn, let us know because, or let us know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Probably not. My Swedish is uh, not so good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The next track up is a track by a band called the charades spelled S H A R A D E S. Of course it is. And this one is called boy trouble. (laughs) When I start losing interest in what's showing at the movie And I don't wanna go to a dance When I don't even bother The last few songs, the female vocals have been very heavily affected Yeah Joe Meek was really known to do a lot of experimental stuff in the studio So probably messing around with the newest reverb stuff that he had So you've got the two sides of the spectrum here. You're hearing what um, Michael J. Cox is thinking about doing with a girl. And you got these girls that are sick of his bullshit. (laughs) 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 Giving him boy trouble.
As best I can tell, this is a B-side to the song Dumbhead. <laughs> I kind of want to hear that one now. Maybe Richie didn't play on that one. It's like somebody's kid came up with it. Shut up, dumbhead. <laughs> yeah. Idiot. You're such a dumbhead. I think something I'd say when I was a kid to my brother. Yeah, you're a dumbhead. When my boys were really, really young, they would, um, when they get mad, you just see them, they'd be so mad, but they just didn't have the good words yet to like say anything. And they, they'd be like, I just remember they would say, that's bad and stinky. <laughs> but they'd be fear would be like the, like, like we'd be dropping F-bombs if we were that mad. And they're just like, it's bad and stinky. And they say it again because they just wouldn't know what else to do. Those are the worst words they could imagine. They were probably two and a half or whatever. It's wow. bad and stinky. So, hey, you know, uh, you you use what's in the toolbox. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, they got a lot more creative things in their toolbox these days. Oh, boy. So, yeah, we're way past bad and stinky. Um, now I got to start like Googling some of the things they say to make sure that it's appropriate. <laughs> Hey, oh. Yeah, my, my wife got a text from one of the other mothers like that one of the other. Luckily, my kids weren't involved. One of the other kids said something to one of the girls and they like both of the mothers were like, I don't even know what this means. And they looked it up and like, oh, shit, this is really bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So I was like, I, it was a term I had never heard ever. And, and I was tell just, me after the show. Yeah, I'll tell you after the show because I, I don't <laughs> yeah. even know if I'm using it right. I don't know what kind of overtones or yeah. undercurrent surrounds this word or these words. So I, I don't even know what to say, mm. but it was. Yeah, yeah. Tell me offline. I'm My interest is peaked. Yeah, but so I like she looked it up and then I urban dictionaried it. And I'm like, well, maybe it's not as bad as we thought. It might have another meaning. And it's like YouTubers are probably involved and who knows. <laughs> but the concept, as far as my wife described, it was not something that you'd want your 10 year olds talking about. But mm. so it goes. Um, I don't know. I liked Boy Trouble. That might be one of my favorite ones so far. Boy I mean, Trouble. I just like I like that like old style, like female mm. singing. It's just like, like, it's just. I don't know. There's something about it that I really like. I, I like the Glenda Collins one. I think that was a standout. I mean, I think there's a reason that they picked it for the Deep Purple family album. Yeah, because he had a, he had a wealth of things that they could have put on that album. And they, yeah, yeah. And Glenda Collins is good. Yeah, I think I like the ladies are are uh, running the show on this one. Yeah. So far, and the creepy guys, what they're thinking about, I don't know. Um, okay, so our uh, next track, second to last track, is Andy Cavill. And this, or Cavell, I'm, I don't know, I'm saying Cavill. And this one's called Tell mm. the Truth. Well, it happened to me, what should happen to you? This one's the shortest song by far, one minute and 40 seconds. Wow. Was there a vinyl shortage back then? <laughs> it's trying to... <laughs> In and out. I don't think they used a metronome on this one. It's like speeding up.
So this was a single and the B-side was called Shut Up. <laughs> Another great insult. <laughs> Shut up, dumbhead. It, it was just called Shut Up. <laughs> yep. I like the way you said it, though. That's a, The delivery is what made it. And the, What's the B-side? Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> shut you, up. You dumbhead. Hey, you shut up. Shut up, dumbhead. <laughs> it's like, this is like a lost... Like, it must have been so exciting being around this time when, like, they were just getting, like... Man, that is a short Ooh. song. <laughs> but like, yeah, just like getting like just going in the studio and recording like crazy stuff like this every day. Like it must have been so much fun. Um, all right. That was Andy Cavill. Tell the truth. Dumb shooby shadum dum dumb head. <laughs> uh, all right. And the last song is by Dave K. I couldn't find anything about this guy. So if you know anything. Not not you. I mean, if you do, please let me know. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to just assume that you might. No, hmm. I'm look, looking right here. I'm Dave looking K, in, I know him. You know him? I'm looking in the uh, liner notes here. It just says Dave K. The charades believed to have been a couple of the breakaways indulging in a spot of moonlighting. Oh, OK. That explains who the charades were. Um, but Dave K doesn't really say anything in the liner notes that I can see. All right. So, yeah, this is uh, the last track that we'll get into on this particular episode. Dave K, a fool such as I. Guys over the top. Sounds like he's trying to kind of do an Elvis thing. Like a little too much yep. vibrato. All right, settle down, K. Okay, <laughs> right, he's doing like a nasally poor man's Elvis. I mean, that's okay. Yeah, I'm sure they were looking for people. It probably wasn't even his normal singing voice. So just like, make it more Elvisy. Elvisy. <laughs> Elvis. Is that a word? Make it more Elvisy. More Elvisy. Throw a little more Elvis on there. A dirty little solo from Richie. Yeah. It's good. Do you know the the um I can't remember which Eddie Murphy special it was. Do you remember the one where he was doing the impress was it the impressions of Elvis? I don't remember that one. Yeah, he was like... Um, oh, one of his stand-up specials? Yeah, I can't remember if it was Delirious or Raw. But he like... Uh, 
Well, you remember Elvis would sing when he'd get everything, he'd be like, Elvis, you want some lemonade? He'd go, lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing that I remember was just Eddie Murphy saying lemonade like Elvis. Lemonade. But that's what he sounds like. It sounds like Eddie Murphy doing an Elvis impression. It's like, hey, Elvis, you want some lemonade? Lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, all right, Elvis, you're a race car driver. We're going to win this race. There you go. I, <laughs> it's like him in the movies. Yeah, every movie. Clam yeah. bake. Going to have a uh, clam bake. Out of all the movies, that was the one where... I, I remember that it was um, it was my friend Neil yep. had found that. And I don't know if it was on TV, if it was just a VHS that was released, that it was just a, just a random Elvis movie from like, what, the mid, mid-60s, mid just called Clambake. Yep. And it was one of like the his many shit movies. And it was the best. We just, well, yeah, we just like, we glommed onto it because it was like Bill Bixby was in it as like the, <laughs> the dick boyfriend. And, uh, and, and, and Margaret was in it. Was she? Yeah, I think she was the female lead. Uh, no, I think that was Viva Las Vegas. Was it? Oh, I thought yeah. it was. I well, it was, it was definitely Viva Las, Viva Las Vegas, I think. And there was some other guy that was, there was some other guy that was in it. No, I don't think Ann Margaret was in that one, but I remember oh, there was, was like, <laughs> Elvis was like a scientist <laughs> because he was like, he was entering like a, uh, what is it, a boat race in Clambake. And so there was yeah, like yeah. uh he he went to like this this guy in like the marina had like a laboratory and he was like he was developing this this highly <laughs> like uh, what is it uh, uh, experimental like epoxy or something to paint paint on the boat so it wouldn't break up under like you know uh, like certain speeds and it was like called goop or something like that and he was just like <laughs> is that what Gwyneth Paltrow where Elvis is like where <laughs> Elvis is wearing like a friggin' lab coat and he's like looking through a microscope and it's like what the hell is going on. Like what is this shit? It was the, oh. it was such a good movie. Like, oh, I just but like, it was think, classic. I think about it all. The, that's one of those ones that just that enters my mind at least once or twice a week. I think about clam bake. Gonna have a clam bake because he'd just be like walking along the beach and he's just like he'd be thinking of something. And all of a sudden he just reach behind a tree and grab a guitar <laughs> and he start just start playing. Was, where the fuck did that guitar come from? And that's where we came, <laughs> that's where we came up with beach reverb. <laughs> Because he's like sitting on the beach and all of a sudden this incredible reverb comes on his voice. And I think, wasn't that E-Rock that, yeah, that, that was, coined that term? Yep. It was just like, we'd be like recording and he's like, hey, John, I think we need to throw a little beach reverb. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's such a good, it's, it's like, it's, that movie is like they were doing a parody of an Elvis movie. Like if you tried to do a parody of With an Elvis movie and just Elvis. release that movie nowadays and people didn't know any better, they'd be like, that's yeah. a great parody of what movies were like back then. Like a lot of like the kitschy stuff they throw in like an Austin Powers movie to make yeah. fun of that is like yeah, yeah. just their au natural. Mm-hmm. It's great. Mama's little baby loves clam bake, clam bake. Mama's <laughs> little baby loves clam bake too. Like that, it's just a ridiculous <laughs> song. <laughs> I can't remember who the, the female lead in that was. Apparently but it like- was uh, Shelly Fabaris. Don't know who that is, but yeah, Bill Bixby was in it. Yeah, I, I don't know I feel, why I remember Ann Margaret being in it. I think because maybe that one and um, Viva Las Vegas that must, maybe that must came out uh, very very close together because that was the other Elvis movie that I owned. I refused to get uh, like um, uh, what was the first one that he did? Um, uh, Jailhouse Rock because oh. I'm just like that was probably like maybe good. And I'm like, I don't want to see Elvis yeah. in like a movie that's any good. I want to see him in shit movies. Like, 
Yeah. How many <laughs> I want to see him in ridiculous movies. How many movies did he, he do? I think a lot. Yeah. There's gotta I think be. they just threw him in like every piece of crap that they could come up with. No, oh, they knew. Bastard. Yeah, it's like I think this they movie, were like burning them out. The script sucks, but we bought it. And if we put Elvis in it, people will come see it because they'll want to see Elvis. Because, I mean, you know, he's over here. He's got to do he's he's got to do his 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 gospel stuff. He's got to do record a soundtrack. He's got to do oh, his yeah. other album. He's on tour. He's making a movie. He's you know, they, they probably burned the friggin' guy in between. He went to the army, I think, for a little while. <laughs> like, yeah. They, yeah, talk about Deep Purple being burned out. This guy was like, yeah, they they ran this guy into the ground. He yeah, died when he was geez. like well, forty two or something. The poor guy. Yeah, but yeah, he um, yeah, they got a lot of mileage out of him. But yeah, it's a great, great, uh, great movie. Yeah, I highly we, rec- we recommend, recommend if you haven't seen it. Watch Clambake. Sentimental reasons. I might watch it after the show. There you go. <laughs> I got nothing I'm, to do tonight. I'm not I'll working. I'll get a copy tomorrow. of that. I haven't. I haven't seen it. The last time I saw it was with you. Yeah. <laughs> Although I have, I have watched on YouTube. I have watched the clam bake segment because I love. It's like it's. I'm sad to admit it's one of my favorite Elvis songs. <laughs> Just because I, you know, you start listening to it as a joke, and then years later, you're like, I, I really like the song. And the Mama's like, little so baby loves clam bakes thing is just insane. Like, <laughs> why you would put that in a song? Oh, but I don't know because they just. It was one of these things like we're talking about with these these songs is just their, uh, you know, they come up with these kind of catchy, um, catchy kind of things. And, uh, you know, they throw it in there for the, uh, what do you call it? The novelty of it. So it's just like, okay, so you, you, you come walking along to you. It's like, so, uh, Nate, what's, uh, what's your favorite Elvis song? I can't help falling in love, suspicious minds, jailhouse rock. <laughs> no, clam bake. <laughs> people like what? most people have not heard of that song probably <laughs> oh, clam what <laughs> clam bake no oh. you know <laughs> you're gonna have to put a little clip of that at the end of the show <laughs> i think i think i will have to <gasps> yeah <laughs> the hell was that that was elvis oh. i had that <laughs> I actually had that queued up weeks ago when we had Rich on the show because I thought for sure he was going to bring up his Elvis lineage. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> R- Rich, Rich messaged us that he had done his um, his genealogy and figured out yeah. he was an 11th cousins with uh, with Elvis. So as you know, my dad's a genealogist. So I texted him and I was like, Dad, what, like, what, how many cousins am I to Elvis? <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to one-up Rich. <laughs> Because if he brings it up on the show, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm 10th Cousins. And I'd be like, oh. <laughs> did you find out? I did find out. What is it? I'm also 11th Cousins with Elvis. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm tied with Elvis, with, uh, with Rich. <laughs> You're probably, every, probably everyone in America is 11th Cousins with Elvis. But mm, yeah, um, yeah we, tra- we, tra- we traced our, down our lineage to the, the guy that came over on the Mayflower. And then, you know, where it broke apart there and and figured mm-hmm. it out. So sadly, I, I was I was really looking forward to just like, oh, and I only wanted was 10th cousins. Just like one, just one closer. <laughs> so I could be one like, step closer. I'm, I'm closer to, to getting willed Graceland. <laughs> oh, that would be great if everybody else in line, something happened to her like, all right, who's the next, next, next of kin? Yeah, he I probably has like the- 30 million 11th cousins in the, in America, you know, so it's. This guy in the suburbs of Illinois, we got to give it to him. Yeah, it's like that in that movie, um, King Ralph, where all the whole the whole royal family dies. Remember that? 
Oh, with John Goodman. Yeah, they do. They do the they do the the picture of the, the royal family, and they're standing in like a puddle, and the the, <laughs> the camera's like wild up, and the whole royal family gets electrocuted, and they like have all these scholars <laughs> looking through books, and they find this schlub in America that's the heir to the throne. <laughs> oh my god! Great one. They I love sh- it. They showed us that on the way to um uh to England on the flight. <laughs> to, to get us used to British culture, I guess. <laughs> oh, of and, course they did. And then they showed the movie Dave on the way back. Remember that one? That was Dave. that was the one where who was it that was in that movie? Sigourney Weaver was the first lady, and I want to say it was like um, oh, what the heck's his name? That sounds familiar, but it, it's uh yeah. So Dave, it was like a guy who was like a lookalike of the president and did a president impression. The president has, ends up having an affair, like during having an affair, like has a heart attack yeah. and he's in a coma. So they get this guy to pretend to be the president so people don't panic. Hmm. Um, and they played us that on the way to America. So it's like both times you get this weird like uh, movie about an outsider take you know being the leader of a country. It was weird. I want to say it was a like Kevin, not Kevin Spacey. But, um, um, I, I can't on. remember. I know. Hang on, I'm I'm looking it up because no. Well, first of all, it's an Ivan Reitman film. So Kevin Klein. Right Kevin Klein. That's who it was. Kevin Klein. Yep. Yes. And then both of those movies came out like right around the same time, and that's why they were both on the plane. But it was funny that they were playing both ways so that you could kind of like yeah, um, learn about the culture or whatever. 1993 film. Yeah. Yep, that's when I went. So. Yep. the The only thing that I knew about Kevin Klein was I saw him in A Fish Called Wanda, which was like. One of my favorite movies yep. at the time. No, I, at the time, I don't think I've ever heard Pops laugh so much in my life. He <laughs> loved that movie. Really? Loved it. Oh, yeah. It is still pretty good. I don't know how it holds up. Honestly, uh, I haven't seen it in a while. But I've never seen it. Yeah? Yeah. I'm going to have good to. Good stuff. I'm going to have to see it. Um, finally, <laughs> after how, how long has it been out? Um, but hey, before we uh, wrap up for this week, let's do something, which is to thank our foundation level patrons coming in at the three pound aromatic feed tier. We have Simon Ford at the $3.33 halfway to evil tier. Spike the rock cat spikes mom. Uh, We have Steven sharp new patron. We have Duncan Leesk bumping up to the $3.33 halfway to evil tier. Patron upgrade. Then at the $3 Nobody's Perfect tier, we have Peter Gardot, Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback, Stuart McCord, Flight of the Rat Bat Blue Light, Ivan Fieldboo. JJ Stenard. And we have Ruinous Inadequacies, John Maselli. Well, so much for small talk. (laughs) And Michael Boyette. Coming in at the $1.71 I Want My Own Tier tier, we have... Rich Young at the 10 kroner tier Karsten Lau at the one pound tier Lord Longford and at the one dollar made up name tier we have the um, getting away 
Leaky Mausoleum, the Stephen Somerville, the Concerto 1999 phonetic, Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ashen Lionel, and of course, none other than <laughs> Blackmore Tights. Thank you so much to everybody for your generous support of the Deep Purple podcast. So, so I I figured out I figured out something yesterday because that made me think of that. Yep. Is is that um, listening to this every week? I realized why my dad coughed his way through saying Blackmore tights <laughs> is because when he's talking and he has a thought on his mind, he he needs to get through it. Otherwise, he'll forget. Because he was talking to me yesterday when we were at Easter, and he was like, he was like, so anyway, I, <laughs> I did this thing, but then he just like kept going, <laughs> even though he was like coughing. And I was like, all right, so this is definitely a thing. <laughs> This is definitely a thing. Yeah. So I figured it's probably him, like, not wanting to lose his train of thought. So he just, like, just hacks his way through whatever thought he has. <laughs> so if he's, like, got a dry throat, if he's coughing, sneezing, he'll just keep going. So well, that's the, that's my theory on that one. Your theory of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's much appreciated that, uh, mm. we can actually get through all of these insane clips, um, but hey, that was that was fun. I, you yeah, know, sometimes it's a, nice to do some of these later episodes. A rollicking good time. Yeah, ro- just except as rollicking maybe as some the, of these songs. Except for maybe the women that were the subject of these songs. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. God bless them. We don't know what happened, but go on then. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got boy trouble. If you've got boy trouble, uh, then make sure it's to 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 stay tuned next week because there'll be at least two boys on the on the show. Maybe even a third boy or a fourth. I don't know. We are just, we are boys among men here on the show. Um, but we appreciate you listening um, about uh, apparently our new thing is we just try to talk about stand-up comedians and compare them to every song possible. When <laughs> well, we do part two well, I mean, of this, we'll have, to, we'll have to remember that that theme. Well, that just kind of lent itself to the conversation. I mean, every every name was just reminded us of some stand-up comedian. And then you I brought up Eddie Murphy at the end. Yeah, see? Yep. Just all just Well, because together. that's that's who the guy sounded like. Lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, folks. Oh. Well, we'll see you next week. What will we be discussing next week? We'll be talking about some weird random topic. We'll be reviewing an album. Will we have a guest? Will we not have a guest? Ah oh, god, it's anybody's guess. And we probably don't know either. So tune in next week to find out and let us know what you think of these early singles. And if you have any more information on any of these artists, because a lot of them are pretty obscure. So Mm. thanks so much, everybody. I'll talk to you next week, John. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. That first thing looks like you rolled up like one of the Gardot sweaters from like 40 years ago and like, (laughs) (laughs) or now, or now, yeah, you rolled up one of his ties. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God.
Jeepers Creepers. They did everything Elvis said. He said, Elvis, we got to win this race. We got to win this race. <laughs> Elvis, want some lemonade? Lemonade. That cool, refreshing drink.